0: One evening, while filling my gas tank, I spied a Tomcat meandering through an almost empty strip-mall parking lot. Then suddenly, Tom seemed to gain purpose and made a brisk beeline for Long John Silver's garbage-can smorgasbord. There, our alley cat conveniently arrives at the end of the human supper hour to feed on scraps and leftovers, and maybe a rat or mouse or two. Wow, what a feast! Afterwards, Tom will lie around and digest his meal, before looking for a lady cat to make more cats. Man, what a life. But soon, Tom gets old and sickly and can't catch rats or mice any longer and can't even walk along John Silvers. So he dies, yet he somehow fulfills his purpose. Everything's over for old Tom. But what did you expect? He was just an animal, you know. Man, on the other hand, goes through the drive through at Long John Silver's. He orders a full fish and chicken meal with hush puppies and an oversized root beer. Then John does the same things Tom, the tomcat, did until he too gets old and either can't or isn't interested in going through the drive through and he dies. <laughs> wow, what a life. <laughs> How about if we throw in some vacations and retiring into your golden years— there won't be quite as golden as marketing people would have you to believe. And then you die. Now that's living large, wouldn't you say? Without Jesus, we're not much different than Tom. Of man's unregenerated condition, Ecclesiastes three seventeen through 20 records the following. I said in my heart, God shall judge the righteous and the wicked, for there is a time there for every purpose and for every work. I said in mine heart concerning the estate of the sons of men, that God might manifest them, that they might see that they themselves are beasts. For that which befalleth the sons of men befalleth beasts, Even one thing befalleth them, as the one dieth, so dieth the other. Yea, they have all one breath, so that a man hath no preeminence over above a beast. Excuse me, for all is vanity, and all go unto one place. All are of the dust, and all turn to dust again. It surely doesn't have to be this way. Jesus Christ made a glorious and marvelous way of escape for us. This Christ purchased our redemption on Calvary's cross and gave us the power to become born again, born a most literal second time, this time as sons and daughters of God, full of exhilarating and everlasting purpose. Imagine the reality of John 1, 11 and 12. He came unto his own, and his own received him not, but as many as received him. To them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Dear visitor, have you yet to be born again, even as Jesus said? John 3, 3, Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Are you tired of life's empty and short-lived vanities? In just a moment, I will invite you to follow me in a simple prompt, and if you do, everything changes today. Today, all your sin and the shame it brings will be washed away by Christ's cleansing blood. Today, all of Satan's bondages in your life will be broken. I'm telling you, the bigger the better. Today, you will become a new creature, and the world's tomcat foolishness will be broken. Here is the simple prop I promised. Click on the Further with Jesus for childlike instructions and immediate entry into the kingdom of God. Now for today's subject. God said, Genesis 7, 11 and 12. In the 600th year of Noah's life, in the second month, the 17th day of the month, the same day were all the fountains of the great deep broken up and the windows of heaven were opened, and the rain was upon the earth forty days and forty nights. God said, Psalms 115, verse 16, The heaven, even the heavens, are the Lord's, but the earth hath he given to the children of men. God said, Isaiah forty five eighteen, For thus saith the Lord that created the heavens, God himself that formed the earth and made it, he hath established it. He created it not in vain. He formed it to be inhabited, I am the Lord, and there is none else. Man said, So what if hundreds of societal records tell of an earth-ending global flood? So what if there are fish and marine fossils on every mountain peak? So what if there are over 100 scientific measurements to say the earth is young? My professor in Google, they know more. Now the record. Welcome to God Said, Man Said, Feature 1,179 that will once again shout, God's Word is true and righteous altogether. All of these faith-building features are archived here in text and streaming audio for your edification, and they are all totally free of charge. Every Thursday Eve, God willing, they grow by one. Thank you for visiting. May grace and mercy be multiplied unto you, and your house. God's Word, found in His majority text Holy Bible, is so awesome to contemplate. Surely it is true and righteous altogether. This beautiful book is the perfectly and inerrantly authored Word of the Living God, who is the God above all gods. This marvelous book separates the God of the Bible from all of the world's little GODs. This book separates itself from all the books ever written and words ever spoken, for every word and every one will fall upon their face, either here or then, and confess that Jesus Christ is God's creator, the champion of Golgotha, and the very Lord of glory. It then should be no surprise that Revelation 19.13 speaks of this King of kings, this Lord of lords, and records, and his name is called the Word of God. Yes, this Word is true and righteous altogether, and most certainly every miraculous event beginning with creation itself. I need to know it's true. Everything really depends upon it. They always end up here, knock, knock, knocking on heaven's door, but they can't come in. Unfortunately for those who propose to school us uneducated and easily led Christians— they are entirely unschooled themselves in the perfections of Holy Scriptures. Can you imagine? Everything foundational to their quest for a higher understanding is found in the very holy book they spurn. Such foolish ignorance is appalling. The revelation of God's Word never yield to the world's scholarship, but they do yield to one who approaches in childlike humility— with ear bowed down and in reverent awe and surrender. Here, the whole story unfolds as Isaiah 21.10 records. For precept must be upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little and there a little. The cover of the October 2023 issue of Scientific American says, Will Humans Ever Live in Space?, Excerpts follow. Humans evolved for and adapted to conditions on Earth. Move us off our planet, and we start to fail physically and psychologically. The cancer risk from cosmic rays and the problems that human bodies experience in microgravity could be deal-breakers on their own. Moreover, there may not be a viable economic case for sustaining a presence on another world. Historically, There hasn't been much public support for spending big money on it. Endeavors toward interplanetary colonization also bring up thorny ethical issues that most space optimists haven't fully grappled with. Human bodies really can't handle space. Spaceflight damages DNA, changes the microbiome, disrupts circadian rhythms, impairs vision, increases the risk of cancer causes muscle and bone loss, inhibits the immune system, weakens the heart, and shifts fluids toward the head, which may be pathological for the brain over the long term, among other things. The immune system is aging quite fast in microgravity, medical researcher Sonia Shrefter says. She sends biological samples from young, healthy people on Earth up to orbit on tissue chips and tracks how they degrade. Vision and bone problems are also among the more serious side effects. When astronauts spend a month or more in space, their eyeballs flatten. One aspect of condition called spaceflight-associated neuroocular syndrome, which can cause long-lasting damage to eyesight. Bones and muscles are built for life on Earth, which involves the ever-present pool of gravity. The work of the body... Uh, Does against gravity to stay upright and move around keeps muscles from atrophying and stimulates bone growth in space without a force to push against. Astronauts can experience bone loss that outpaces bone growth and their muscles shrink. That's why they that's why, excuse me, they must do hours of exercise every day using specialized equipment that helps to stimulate some of the forces their anatomy would feel on the ground. And even this training doesn't fully alleviate the loss. Perhaps the most significant concern about bodies in space, though, is radiation. Something that is manageable for today's astronauts flying in low Earth orbit, but would be a bigger deal for people traveling farther and for longer. Some of it comes from the sun, which spews naked protons that can damage DNA, particularly during solar storms. That could make you very Very sick and give you acute radiation syndrome, says Dort Donovan, a professor at Baylor College of Medicine and director of the Translational Research Institute for Space Health. Future astronauts could use water, perhaps pumped into the walls of a shelter, that shield themselves from these protons. But scientists don't always know when the sun will be spitting out lots of particles, so if, for example, astronauts are exploring the surface of the moon and there is a solar particle event coming, we probably have the capability of predicting it within about 20 to 30 minutes max, Donovan says. That means we we need better prediction and detection, and we need astronauts to stay close to their H2O shield. If you don't get to safety in time, the nausea will come first. You would vomit into your space suit, Donneville says, which now becomes a life-threatening situation because the vomit could interfere with life support systems or you might breathe it in. Then comes the depletion of cells such as neutrophils and red blood cells, meaning you can't battle germs or give your tissues oxygen effectively. You'll be tired, anemic, unable to fight infection, and throwing up. (laughs) Sounds really good, huh? Maybe you'll die. See why lots of kids want to be astronauts when they grow up? Physical and mental health problems, though dire, aren't even necessarily the most immediate hurdles to making a space settlement happen. The larger issue is the cost, and who's going to pay for it? Just how profoundly difficult would it be to live beyond Earth, especially considering that outer space seems designed to kill us, end of quote. It's clear. We were not made to live in outer space. Our Creator said so in our Owner's Manual, Psalms 115, verse 16. The heaven, even the heavens, are the Lord's, but the earth hath He given to the children of men. Outer space is not made for man, but the earth is. Efforts that include disregarding this directive result in hurtful woes. It is not possible to disregard God's instruction without suffering the curse of doing the wrong thing. Galatians 6, 7, Be not deceived, God is not mocked, for whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. Isaiah 45, verse 18, For thus saith the Lord, that created the heavens, God himself that formed the earth and made it, he hath established it, he created it not in vain, he formed it to be inhabited. I am the Lord, and there is none else. God created the earth and its universe to support mankind and the world's life forms, a principle that science calls the anthropic principle, everything made for man. The following excerpts are from Dr. Grant Jeffrey's book, Creation. Professor Lawrence Henderson of Harvard University acknowledged that scientific evidence confirms— that our solar system was endowed with unique characteristics that prepared it to be a habitable environment for living organisms, including human life. The great difficulty appears to be that there is here no possibility of interaction. In our solar system, at least, the fitness of the environment far precedes the existence of the living organisms. In other words, There is no rational, credible, materialistic explanation for the fact that our solar system and Earth itself are uniquely fitted to accommodate human life unless God created all of this universe according to His divine purpose, as the Scriptures declare. The Earth hath He given to the children of men, Psalms 115, 16. A NASA astronomer John O'Keefe wrote about the remarkable nature of the universe. We are by astronomical standards a pampered, cosseted, cherished group of creatures. If the universe had not been made with the most exacting precision, we could never have come into existence. It is my view that these circumstances indicate the universe was created for man to live in. Paul Davis, respected professor of theoretical physics, acknowledged that the recent discoveries in astronomy strongly support the conclusion that there must be a supernatural designer who created the universe in the remarkably fine-tuned manner that allows the earth and humanity to exist. This is what he said. There is for me powerful evidence that there is something going on behind it all. It seems as though somebody has fine-tuned nature's numbers to make the universe. The impression of design is overwhelming. End of quote. The Earth was made to be inhabited by man, and outer space was not. Those uh, Sunday schooled among us knew it all the time. The following paragraph from Scientific American quoted earlier has caused the eyebrows to raise among the Sunday schooled. It follows, Future astronauts could use water, perhaps pumped into the walls of a shelter, to shield themselves from these protons. But scientists don't always know when the sun will be spitting out lots of particles. So if, for example, astronauts are exploring the surface of the moon, there is a solar particle event coming. We probably have the capability of predicting it within about 20 to 30 minutes max, Donovan says. That means we need better prediction and detection, and we'd need astronauts to stay close to their H2O shield, end of quote. A NASA scientist suggested the solution to the radiation issue was to encase the astronauts in five feet of water. Now, according to God's Word, He opened the windows of heaven and poured the waters down upon the earth during the global flood of Noah. Creation scientists have dubbed these waters as a water canopy. The following excerpts are from the God Said, Man Said feature, North Pole, Tropical Discovered Again. Genesis 1, 6. And God said, Let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters, and let it divide the waters from the waters. According to God's word, he created the earth with water upon it, and a layer he called firmament in heaven hovering over it, and above the firmament another layer of water. When scientists put together a theoretical model designed in the way just described, they came up with some astounding scenarios. Number one, a water canopy encompassing the whole earth would create a virtual greenhouse regulating a perfect temperature around the globe in which there would be no storm of any kind. Number two, the water canopy would also act as a filter blocking deadly UV rays from the sun, which arguably participate in every disease known to man and also affect skin color. This canopy would contribute to much longer lifespans. Students of the Scriptures know that the average lifespan before the flood in the days of Noah was 912 years. Also take note that Adam and Eve were naked and not burned by the sun. There is also no record of God making a house for them in which to dwell. The 912 average year human lifespan prior to the flood, as recorded by the Bible, has always been low-hanging fruit for the skeptics, but not for historians in today's science. Ancient historian Flavius Josephus, who wrote just after the years of Christ, published the following excerpt. Now, when Noah had lived 350 years after the flood, and that, all that time happily, he died, having the number of nine hundred and fifty years. But let no one, upon comparing the lives of the ancients with our lives, and with the few years which we now live, think that what we have said of them is false, or make the shortness of our lives at present an argument, that neither did they attain to so long a duration of life. For those ancients were beloved of God, and lately made by God himself, and because their food was then fitter for the prolongation of life, might well live so great a number of years. And besides, God afforded them a longer time of life on account of their virtue and the good use they made of it in astronomical and geometrical discoveries, which would not have afforded the time of foretelling the periods of the stars unless they had lived 600 years, for the great year is completed in that interval." Now I have for witnesses to what I have said all those that have written antiquities, both among the Greeks and barbarians. For even Mentheo, Manetho, excuse me, who wrote the Egyptian history, and Barrosus, who collected the Chaldean monuments, and Mochus and Hestias, and besides these, Hieronymus the Egyptian, and those who composed the Phoenician history, agree to what I here say. Hesiod also, and Ecathus, and helicanthus and uh, Acusilius, and besides, Ephorus and Nicholas relate that the ancients lived a thousand years. But as to these matters, let everyone look unto them as he thinks fit." End of quote. This global flood recorded in Genesis, where the protective water canopy was rained down upon the earth, triggered major detrimental changes. Prior to the flood, man breathed perfect air, drank perfect water, and ate perfect food. Prior to the flood, the sun's deadly ultraviolet rays were blocked. These deadly rays now contribute to over 60 human diseases. Medical theorists now predict that man will very soon be able to live a thousand years. Number three. The first record of rain in the Bible is during the great flood in the days of Noah. Prior to the Flood, Genesis 2, 4-6 states, These are the generations of the heavens and of the earth when they were created, in the day that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens, and every plant of the field before it was in the earth, and every herb of the field before it grew. For the Lord God had not caused it to rain upon the earth, and there was not a man to till the ground. But there went up a mist from the earth and watered the whole face of the ground. The perfect year-round temperature, devoid of storms of any kind, as well as the absence of rain, meant that every morning there was a beautiful postcard sky, a place God called paradise. Number four, in Genesis 7, God opened the windows of heaven and poured the protective water canopy down upon the earth. This destroyed every creature that had the breath of life in its nostrils, with the exception of the residents of Noah's Ark. Things would never be the same again. The destruction of this water canopy has produced devastating results. There are billions of buried fossils from living creatures that were destroyed by water action. There are fish and marine fossils on all the world's mountain peaks. Man's lifespan has dropped dramatically, from the average age of 912 years to the Bible's prophetic threescore years and ten or seventy years. There are huge destructive storms bombarding the, this Earth as well as dangerous temperature swings and the phenomenally detrimental effects of UV, UV rays, excuse me, and so on. Now, here's the update. A flurry of news releases tout new discoveries during a 2004 drilling expedition into the floor of the Arctic Ocean. A May 31, 2006 headline from the Associated Press reads, Scientist... Arctic Once Had Tropical Climate. The May 31, 2006 headline that probed the RU reads, 55 million years ago, the Arctic was tropical. Finally, the May 31, 2006 headline of Purdue University News reads, North Pole's Ancient Past Holds Clues About Future Global Warming. The findings of a once tropical climate at the North Pole are, of course, true, according to the physical evidence discovered. Incidentally, however, the assertions of millions of years are built upon the faulty assumptions of uniformitarianism and are not science at all, but simply an incorrect hypothesis. From Pravda RU, scientists have found what might have been the ideal ancient vacation hotspot with a 74 degree Fahrenheit average temperature, alligator ancestors, and palm trees. It's smack in the middle of the Arctic. Core samples dug up from the deep beneath the Arctic Ocean floor show that 55 million years ago, an area near the North Pole was practically a subtropical paradise. Three new studies show, end of quote. Purdue University writes, the models fail to explain another puzzling fact. The temperature difference between the North Pole and the equator today is about 45 degrees Celsius, or 113 degrees Fahrenheit. But the difference appears to have been much smaller during the Paleocene-Eocene thermal maximum time frame. Otherwise, it would have been too hot for vegetation to survive in equatorial latitudes. We still haven't explained why the tropics stayed cool, Huber said. Somehow, we have to explain how you can warm the poles up to 23 degrees Celsius, which is 73 degrees Fahrenheit, without having the tropics rise to at least 122 degrees Fahrenheit, which is 10 degrees too hot for plants to carry out photosynthesis. He said the implications are troubling because current models may be providing optimistic prediction. Today's models underpredict how warm the poles were back then, which tells you something disturbing, that the models, if anything aren't sensitive enough to greenhouse gases, were said. At the same time, it is possible that other forces, in addition to higher-than-normal greenhouse gas concentrations, were involved. Otherwise, we can't explain how the tropics maintain livable conditions." End of quote. Scientists are flummoxed. How can this be? The answer, of course, is recorded in God's Word, in particular Genesis. Purdue researcher Huber was on the right track when he said, "At the same time, it is possible that other forces were involved." Scientists, uh, ha- science, excuse me, has discovered a time when the Earth was a God-created paradise. Unfortunately for the sons and daughters of Adam and Eve, it is a paradise lost. Click on the "Further with Jesus" for instructions for e- entry, free entry, excuse me. End the quote. Finally. Concerning Geography and Climate, you'll find this excerpt in the God Said, Man Said feature, Hydrologic Cycle Says Yes to God. The hydrologic cycle of today bears little resemblance to the way it was originally designed. The climate before the flood, pleasantly mild and supremely safe, became unpredictable and often very deadly. Concerning the Earth's climate, Whitcomb and Morse in the book The Genesis Flood offer the following. Removal of the protective canopy around the earth Permitted development of extreme latitudinal variations of temperature With resulting great air movements and established climatic zones, end of quote Ancient civilizations, Babylon, Egypt, Greece, India, Hawaii, Indonesia, Europe, Asia, and Australia All tell of this water canopy above the sky that fell to the earth in the days of Noah, end of quote The protective water canopy lost in the global flood answers a myriad of questions. The number one icon of the evolutionists is the dinosaur, whose name means terrible lizard. Their fossil remains are found all over the earth, and their very sudden deaths were the result of powerfully destructive water action. Dinosaurs are reptiles, and reptiles never stop growing. A large snake is an old snake. The following is from the God Said, Man Said feature, Dragons, Dinosaurs, Terrible Lizards. Pre-Noah water canopy is central to the explanation of what has perplexed many about the idea of a young 6,000-year-old Earth and what happened to the dinosaurs. Immediately after the flood, man's lifespan, lifespan began to drop until it settled at an average of 3 score and 10 or 70 years. The dinosaur is a reptile, and it does something that we can't do. It never stops growing. In A Field Guide to Reptiles and Amphibians, Which is part of the Peterson Field Guide Series, sponsored by the National Audubon Society and National Wildlife Federation, I found the following statement Size, reptiles, and amphibians may continue to grow as long as they live, rapidly at first, but more slowly after maturity. Hence, giant specimens may be encountered on very rare occasions. End of quote. The older it is, the bigger it gets. Remember, before the water canopy was eliminated, the average lifespan was 13 times longer than it is today. Remember, the air was pure, the water clean, and diet near perfect. There were no harmful rays from the sun, and the lifespan was 13 times longer. Consider the present-day Chinese iguana that grows as large as 12 feet long. Suppose before the flood, In a near-perfect environment, the iguana would have lived 13 times longer, and because it never stops growing, would become 13 times bigger. The Chinese iguana would be 156 feet long and about three stories tall. Dinosaur. Terrible lizard. The dinosaur is simply a giant lizard which was created by God in the same six-day span as man, in the quotes. Quotes. And note, this example is a simple calculation that doesn't take into consideration that the creature would not grow in equal proportion over its lifespan, but the idea is apparent. Be of good cheer, child of God. You will never be ashamed. God's beautiful living book is true and righteous altogether, a place to build a life that will last forever. It's true. God said, Genesis 7, 11, and 12. In the six hundredth year of Noah's life, in the second month, the seventeenth day of the month, the same day, were all the fountains of the great deep broken up, and the windows of heaven were open, and the rain was upon the earth forty days and forty nights. God said, Psalms 115, verse 16, The heaven, even the heavens, are the Lord's, but the earth hath he given to the children of men. God said, Isaiah 45:18. For thus saith the Lord that created the heavens, God himself that formed the earth and made it, he hath established it. He created it not in vain. He formed it to be inhabited. I am the Lord, and there is none else. Man said, So what if hundreds of societal records tell of an earth-ending global flood? So what if there are fish and marine fossils on every mountain peak? So what if there are over 100 scientific measurements to say the Earth is young? My professor in Google, they know more. Now you have the record.